welcome to the American Scouser podcast. I am your host, Timuchin, and today we have a smaller room, cynical and cynical squared over here. Uh, I am your host, Timuchin, once again, and with me this week is Paul Bickler. Paul, what's happening? Yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a sad cynical pad podcast for sure. I was gonna say, yeah, like grab a drink, pack of smokes or something <laughs> as my, you're listening. <laughs> my life feels like a Sergio Aguero penalty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which it's gonna whole, be one of those. That's a, that's a whole other pod into itself. I actually wanted to get to that as well, but so let's get, uh, we'll kind of like go away from our usual scheme. Obviously, uh, Jamie is now with us to give us a 60 second wrap up and I'm not going to entertain you with just the trivia that you're going to answer to and compete against yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'll text Jamie, he'll know. Uh, we'll say like you won by default. How about that? Um, <laughs> And then a new streak begins for our trivia. But uh, let's talk a bit about the Southampton game, obviously. We'll start with that. Uh, I do want to touch on that um, City game along with some other like soccer stuff. And then uh, we'll kind of look ahead to the United game. But one thing about the Southampton game uh, that I want to get, and this is why this is, <laughs> we're just going to pile on each other because I know this is a kind of like a sore spot for you too. But when I see the lineup there, and knowing what happened the week before and stuff like that. And I see the lineup and it's like Reese and Nate back there as center back. My initial reaction was like, so they can't fucking play together. <laughs> so <laughs> why, why do we have to put Fabinho back there before if Reese can play? Uh, what is your reaction to that? I don't, I don't think either one of us have ever made sense of it throughout the season, but if Reese could play, why didn't he play before? And we did this before and it blew up in our face, but this time we went ahead with it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, other than the fact that Southampton and we just think that there's shit and like, you know, we, we could get away with it. Um, but like, I mean, Che Adams isn't necessarily slow. I mean, they've got some pace on that team. So I don't, I don't really know. Like, I don't really know because, I mean, all signs point to Fab coming back versus United. So, um, I I think that we just must have been confident enough in our ability to defend a relatively toothless Southampton side, um, especially with no Danny Ings is my only thing. And, and maybe we thought, you know, like this was, this was the lineup that we felt gave us the best chance of getting early go early goals so um but yeah i don't know it's head scratch at this point for me too and you know obviously yeah the word is that kabak is out probably against united as well yet another knock i don't even know when this knock happens and i remember i think it was like end of last season when we were just like you know kicking everybody's ass left and right uh, one of the things I was praised about this team was, you know, how hard they practice, you know, the practice is done at like game speeds and stuff like that, uh, which kind of like brings out the energy and how well this team plays and stuff like that at that time. So now one wonders, obviously, this is like kind of like hindsight thinking over here on my part, but is this why we constantly have so many freaking like muscle knocks and injuries and crap because we are going way too hard at practice? You know, I don't know, like, you know, Jordan brought this up earlier in the year where he went, like, Jordan's our, our, our sort of, he is our office conspiracy theory guy. <laughs> so, like, he brought up that whole thing about how, like, there was, like, 15 changes on the medical training staff, you know, this year. 
And at first I sort of poo-pooed that idea, but like the longer this continues, the more you have to wonder if there's some legitimacy to that, you know? So. Yeah. I remember when you first brought that up, you were like, oh, it's just like dumb luck, but uh, yeah. Uh, well, if this is true, man, he has a lot of conspiracy theories, so we should be scared if the yeah. other ones are as well, if this is just the beginning of the end. With Jordan may be in a cabin in the woods somewhere in California, but he might be right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, so that was kind of like the odd thing to see with the lineup. I mean, I was pleased overall with the play. They were creative opportunities. Finishing was crap again. Uh, but one of the main things I want to talk about, because this is how like the commentators on NBC Sports kind of like started the game. And man, they rolled this fucking storyline the entire game about Mo and Mane and passing. First off, my personal thought, I know what you think about this. Where they really picked up on it, where it was like, oh, Mo should have passed there. I don't think so. Because there were four guys in the middle and Mane. I don't know if that ball is going to get to Mane in that sense. It wasn't like, oh, he only has a tapping over there. There were like four guys in the middle. And you kind of know he's going to shoot there. I mean, in their defense, I guess, I don't think Mo even glanced towards the middle. Uh, but, I mean, if he did, I don't know if I want him forcing that ball. He had a pretty clear shot, tighter angle, but you know, Mo makes those shots from that angle towards the far corner. So I had no problem with him passing. So let's talk about that incident first. Did you think he should have passed there? No, I didn't. And like, I think like the weird thing to, to me about Mo is like, he doesn't do anything first time anymore. Like, and that may just be a confidence thing. Like this is like a dead horse I've beaten out for three months, but like, you know, like there's, there are so many goals that he has just with that quick flick or that quick, like drop and shoot. And like, he's now taking this extra touch and like, not only is he taking that extra touch, but he's also doing that thing where like, you know, he used to have that move where he sort of would just dip around the keeper. He scooted it around and then he'd hit it from that possible angle um, or he'd chip it. And now he's like not doing either. He's trying to square it and cross it over. So like, I just think – I think it just comes down to a confidence thing for him. But, like, the Mo Mane, who's more selfish, who doesn't pass when they should, that whole storyline is super tired. And I think it's just a super lazy narrative at this point. And it's only going to get worse when we don't have the results and we're this close to a transfer window. I mean, that's just what it is. So do you give any credit to the story? Like, do you really think that's a thing? No, I, mean, I don't. It Okay. I don't. And like, in, in my, from my perspective, I consider Mo and Monty strikers. Like in this side, the goals are designed to come from those two players, those wide players. We essentially bring them in very narrow and they're essentially strikers. And I don't, I want my strikers to be hungry for a goal. That's what makes great strikers. Great. I mean, that doesn't mean like they should square the ball over to a wide open Diego Jota. If, you know, there's like, two minutes left and he can score um, like that happened with money a few weeks ago. But like, I don't, I don't necessarily feel like I have to keep tabs on whether they're passing to each other. Like I want them to score goals and loads of goals. And I don't want that in the back of their minds either. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that stuff is natural in play. And I, and if you look at, at, at Mo and Saturday and money from a personality perspective, those aren't two players that you would think like they're both fairly humble, fairly quiet spoken, 
Um, you know, they may intrinsically want to beat the other guy, but I don't view those players as people that would purposely take away chances from the other player. Yeah, I mean, who was that? Fucking Owen, uh, middle of the season, saying like, oh, man, is not falling down so that Mo doesn't get penalty goals oh, and geez. stuff. He's just like, get the hell out of here. You think he's like thinking that in the split second there? And yeah. I, I don't know. My thing is, I notice most of it goes to Mo. And I'm going to, yes, there are a lot of times for both players, maybe more a bit more than money, but for both players that you can say, yes, they should have passed there. But like going back to what you're saying, these guys are strikers. And if you ever play with a freaking striker, you know how frustrating it is where they think they can score from anywhere and take that shots and not pass to the open guy. You make runs basically just for the hell of it. Cause you know, they're not even going to pass at some point, you know, I play with guys where you don't even make the run anymore. Cause you're like, why am I going to wear myself out? He's just going to shoot that anyway. It's just a rabbit hole. I mean, if you looked at, you know, if we pulled back everyone at 95 of Mo Salah's goals, I'm sure there's 60 of them where he could have passed it to an open player. Right. I mean, that's just, that's, that's what happens with prolific goal scorers. I mean, so it's just not a game that anyone's ever going to win going into. And it just doesn't make, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me as an argument. I think a lot of it is like, yeah, it's all this hindsight thing just because he's, you know, we're not scoring as a team as much. Like there was a scenario in this game where he got past the goalie. It almost looked like, but he kind of like went too wide. It reminded me of the game that he scored against. I think it was Watford where like he just dribbled around all over the place, uh, got past the goalie, then pulled it to the left, pulled it to the right, and stuff like that. I can't remember if it was Watford or Bournemouth. I can't remember the exact game. I want to say Bournemouth because I almost like envision okay at the line trying to stop the goal. But he almost had like a similar thing, and everybody was like, you know, oh, yeah, you know, here he goes again. He's taking too many touches. He's not taking a shot. But I feel like he's always been like that. It's just that when it goes in, we're like, oh, look how confident he is. Like, you know, how calm and collected he is. He didn't, most strikers would rush and shoot right away and stuff. But now that, you know, as a team, we're struggling, it's almost like we're over dissecting why they're not finishing. I mean, that's probably true. I mean, anytime the results aren't there, we're going to like sit down and break it down, right? Because everybody wants an answer. Everybody wants answers as to why these guys aren't banging them in like we did last year. Um, so I think there's a little bit of truth to that. I do think like, I, I do think like confidence is a factor. Like I, I think like he's made some audacious chips and one-time hits before that he's never making this year. Um, but you're right. He does do that thing where he cuts it back and waits for somebody to go buy him. And then um, he does do that for sure. Like, you know, that is a part of his game, but I think that the, the over analysis death by over analysis is definitely a thing this year. Yes. And I think like you're saying, anytime the results are not there, that's what's going to happen. Cause we're going to be like, why for God's sakes, why? And I think it's almost worse because we've seen him do it at ease. Almost. It felt like, so like, you know, last season. So when you compare to this season, you know, you're just looking for a reason or reasons as to why it's not happening again. Cause you're like, Hey, I've seen the potential kind of thing. But I mean, overall, I thought the game was fine. Once again, we created chances. Once again, the finishing was not good. But let's face it, first of all, it went all the way to the end again where 
I know I'm not the only one who felt like, here we go, Deja Vu is like Leeds game, Newcastle game all over again. And I almost like was waiting for a goal to be scored by Southampton on like a stupid corner or something like that. Uh, but more importantly, if Alisson does not save a couple of, like make a couple of those huge saves, we're probably talking about another home loss. Yeah, for sure. And like, I think this is the, I think this is the difference between an inform Allison and an Allison we've had the rest of the year. Like, I mean, I think because the squad's been so bad for so long, we haven't really realized how much we've missed him at the top of his game. Because like, in my opinion, he, he's better than he has been this year, even though we haven't put him in the best positions. Like if he's, if he's that good, you know, the, the rest of the year, we probably have 12 more points, you know, like, but I mean, that's not to say he's the reason we're not top four, but you know, it is a huge difference when he plays like that. And that was the difference between three points and in, in, in losing points yesterday for sure. Yeah. I mean, made some huge stops. I mean, and especially when the game was tied right before, I mean, he made that spot. I mean, the stop when it was like a one-on-one, uh, just by coming out like early and anticipating and stuff like that. And I almost like instantly knew something was going to happen on the other end. And lo and behold, it always like, it never fails. You know, a stupid foul gets given against you. That free kick ends up being a goal uh, or you give away a stupid corner. Somehow that corner always ends up being a goal against you and stuff like that. So the moment I felt like that happened, I was like, okay, something big is going to happen. He just made the momentum totally turn around and then we go and score on the other side. And yeah, like it was like, oh, this is the first time they connected for the goal. I mean, man, they rode that freaking Mo Mane thing to a death the entire game. And I think if these two guys were not on the top of the charts for most clear chances missed this season, I think we would have been talking probably a lot more assists from them anyway. Yeah, I mean, for sure, I think... I mean, I just think that that storyline is is so such low hanging fruit because we're going into this transfer window too with like, you know, everyone is dissecting Mo's like sporadic interviews now about his new contract or if he's going to get a new one or if there's going to be a swap for Mbappe, you know, like all the sorts, all the sort of stuff. Um, and I think that like that being such sort of a hot rumor right now, it just feeds into this whole Monemo like storyline that everyone's going to kind of run with right now. I mean, let's face it when, when they're calling a match, right. They, they like the whole thing is, is, is that's all journalism is, is telling people stuff they don't know. Right. So if you've got a storyline and you want to write it, like you're, you're writing a story through the match. And I mean, I think that's, part of that's their job and part of it's super low hanging fruit. So like, it doesn't bother me um, as much. I just, it's lazy, but to like 90% of the people watching, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, I guess that's true. Maybe like to us, it's like an old story, but if you're like a neutral or, you know, just new to the game or something like that, you're like, Oh, I didn't know there was so much drama behind this game kind of thing. I just felt like I'm okay with, you know, trying to fill in the, Dead space, if you will, or you know, like hey, you gotta say something now as the color commentary kind of deal. But I just felt like, man, they went back to it over and over and over again. It's like just like take one dip and end it's just freaking like just stop going at it. But but at the end, Thiago comes through and saves the day, kinda, which 
the first thing I thought of is the cynical me being me. This is why he shouldn't have come off in the last game when we suddenly gave away the midfield. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. I, I think the first thing that struck me is like, like what, what is it going to take for these guys to start ripping shots from outside the 18, right? I mean, we saw – it reminded me of Trent's game winner when he came up and, and had a go and, you know, scored from out there. And that, I guess that's what all that pointing was, you know, like I was like, I was like, man, we I was happy we scored. And I'm like, well, Tiago's really pointing a lot. And like, and I guess that was because like, you know, they, there had been some conversation with like Burge and those guys. And they're like, Hey man, if you, if you see a shot, you should probably take it. Like, which is crazy that we're having that conversation. It's and it's like a Eureka moment at this point in the season. But um, I, I don't know. It was, it was great. Great to see. Happy for him because he's gotten a lot of shit about not having any goal involvements this year. You know, even though I, I saw that stat the other day that like he's basically towards the top in chances created, which is interesting. Um, and I think yeah. it goes back to what we were saying. I mean, if you have forwards where pretty much all three, I think now are in the top 10 of chances missing the Premier League, it's hard to freaking rack up assists. I mean, I'm going right. to keep passing it to you if you miss it. Yeah, I create chances, but I'm not getting the assists. So, uh, since you mentioned that, uh, what is your take overall? I'm already like seeing, I mean, I think maybe we had huge expectations, uh, like bringing in Thiago coming to a team that was already like a world killer. And we were like, oh man, it's just going to be unstoppable now. I don't know if we kind of like almost like raised expectations too much. And obviously with the way the season has gone, it's almost like you're the new guy. So it must be you kind of thing. I mean, what do you make of the criticism he gets or where do you sit on it? I guess. Um, I I mean, I think it's largely unfair just because of the circumstances. I mean, like Jurgen doesn't pick up my phone calls anymore, but like when I read that he was coming, like my understanding was like he was coming to be, plan B essentially when teams were low blocking us to death and putting eight in the box, he was going to be the guy that would essentially unlock that low block defense. Right. And, and we just never got to see that very early on. Um, but I, it's really, really hard for me to have any sort of like fair judgment. I mean, because like when I watch him, like the talent and the quality is there, you can't argue that like he's, his vision is probably the best on the team. He's probably got the best all-around passing skills on the team. Like, I think that, like, he's still trying to figure it out. Like, if you looked at that first half, like, Klopp was, like, screaming at him about his transition defense. Like, he's not doing – and part of that is is probably he's he's got to do a lot of tucking in over for Trent, and he's got a lot of getting back with, with Reese and, and that back there. So, like, he's doing, being asked to do a lot of those things that would have been – primarily helped by Jordan Henderson. So, and then you had Verge behind him additionally. So, you know, this team I had Gomez and Verge and Henderson, like all those dudes are huge part of the system. So like when those three players are out, those are kind of the guts of like what we do. Like it's very hard to, to get a good measure on like if he's going to fit, how good is he for this system? Right. Because we, we don't really get to see him in, in us at, that sort of full pace. 
Actually, I'm glad you brought that up. So before we let's jump to that right away, because I had a couple of like hypotheticals in my head that I was going to ask you guys. So now you're going to get the burden questions. Uh, and one of them was that I'm glad you kind of like brought Henderson up. So first question I have that I was thinking as you know, like I was kind of like watching the game is if Henderson is healthy right now. Uh, I, I probably He's should playing center back. Yeah. <laughs> should, <laughs> I was going to probably, yeah, I should put that disclaimer in there. Um, <laughs> or like Fab is going to go to. So let's say <laughs> if everybody was healthy, uh, especially for center backs, we had like center backs that we trusted and they were starting. Um, who do you think would be in the midfield? Would it be Fab, Hendo, and Thiago? Or is Genie like is Genie one getting benched or is it like handle fab taking turns? What do you think the trio would be? Especially if we're home, let's say we're home, like on a game like Southampton, when we're home, we're expecting kind of like a well, little block to break down. I think the short term, if you look at how fast Thiago got inserted into our starting 11, I would think it is Genie out. You're not going to bench fab. You're not going to bench Henderson. Like there's just, you know, those are, those players are too important to what we do. Now, you can make the argument that at his age, I think Thiago is seen as a tactical substitute down the road, as somebody who can come in and unlock defenses with, like, you know, a good solid 30, 40 minutes left in the game. Uh, but I think he's still got the legs in him right now for 90. Um, and I think, yeah, I think Genie's the odd guy out on that in, in that situation. And I think that's part of, like <clears> – <throat> Genie's kind of always been in that spot where, like, if our best starting 11 was out there, he probably isn't in it. But because of injuries and, and things shuffling around, he always seems to be there. And, and I think that in the back of Genie's mind, when he's looking at, you know, when, when all of them's looking at contract stuff, I think that's part of the thing is, like, he, he wanted guaranteed playing time in, in, in those playing time the playing time thing, you know, I think the length of the contract was a hang up, but I think the playing time thing was a thing too. Like we couldn't commit to that. Um, but yeah, so for me, I, I think that Jeannie's kind of the odd guy looking out on that if everybody's healthy. Yeah, I agree to that. Especially, like I say, if we're at home playing against, like I can see it being different in a Champions League game or uh, like a top six game. Maybe we want more energy on running and stuff like that and Jeannie going in there uh, with like Fab and Hendo. But I almost feel like, too, if Fabinho and Hando are playing together, uh, that kind of like eases the pressure and extra running that Thiago has to do. Uh, so he can kind of maybe, you know, uh, enhance, you know, like get more minutes out of him or he can like, you know, I mean, he gave a 90. And I feel like, like I say, even seeing him after being taken off last game, he did. He looked like a guy who wanted to stay in and had more minutes in his legs and was just not trusted to be able to probably do as much running as like, you know, like Jorgen wants him to do. But so second question I have. So with all things being equal, um, all other things, I guess, let's say being equal, if you could have one player play the entire season, uh, knowing what we went through this year, which one do you think would be, your pick over Van Dyke or Henderson? They're playing in their original positions, though. Let's go with that. So you're not putting Van Dyke in midfield. You're not putting Henderson in freaking center. That's, that's a tough one. And I know um, for most, I think the immediate answer would be Van Dyke. That's why I kind of wanted yeah. to like get your guys' take on it because yeah. I'm kind of torn on it because I feel like 
if Handel was there, the... look, here's the thing. I'm I'd say Van Dyke, but I don't like it. Like I I mean, Van Dyke is my pick, but like, here's why I would say that. I mean, the confidence and leadership and in in overall skill he brings to that back line. Like so much of our offense is dictated and played out of the back in transition. And that's really critical. And he brings that. The only reason that I would put him up ahead of Jordan Henderson is because Gomez or Matep healthy, those guys aside, the drop off is pretty significant between like the depth and the quality at center back that we have. Now in midfield, there's a lot more moving parts that we can move around. That's tough. I mean, Jordan Anderson is the heartbeat. He's the metronome. He's like the little, he's the engine in that midfield. He's what makes our ball movement crisp and quick. And our midfield completely revolves around ball dominance and and ball movement. And that's been gone since he's been gone. And I don't think that's a coincidence. So I say Van Dyke. I don't, I don't feel good about it though, because Henderson is like a huge part of that team, but it really comes down to how we play. Um, in, in sort of the, the the roster makeup more than anything, in my opinion. I think my thing was, you know, like both players are ones that can, you know, really – it's hard to do – how to duplicate or replicate what they bring. And one of the things – I mean, my pick was Van Dyke too, but just the fact that, you know, I had to think about it or evaluate it kind of – shows how important Hendo is one of the biggest things I thought that we're missing with Van Dyke out not be there is our effectiveness on set pieces uh both defending them but more than defending them attacking I mean you can kind of tell even though I don't like everybody's really big on Nat Phillips uh especially like in the air and stuff like that but it's different to head the ball away as opposed to when you're attacking and you're head the ball or create space for yourself or beat somebody to a header and be able to direct that thing. Uh, I, I think that's like one of the biggest drop-offs in terms of like, you know, they're, you know, being effective in the air balls. That's, I think one thing Nate lacks is on the attacking side, you would think somebody so dominant in the air would be able to get at least a couple of headers on goal over all these games. Yeah, for sure. I think the thing about Van Dyke too, I mean, this is the best sort of like analogy I can make. Like I, I never had an older brother, but I imagine if I had like a really awesome, badass older brother and you're like out with him, you know, you're going to do shit you wouldn't normally do because you're big bros <laughs> back there, right? Like I feel like that's how we play. Like we play with a sort of swagger and confidence we wouldn't have if it was like, you know, just Matip or just Joe or like, you know, any, anybody else really like, I mean, I think that they, they almost have a freedom and a confidence about them because they know like Verge is going to clean up behind them, you know? So for the rest of the world, I guess it's safe to say that it's a good thing. You didn't have a badass brother. Cause oh, I I'd, be, imagine. I'd be like, I was such a shit anyway. I'd be such a shit talker. If I had a big brother with me, it's like, it's probably like an evolutionary, like survival thing that I didn't have one, like for the rest of the planet. 
So speaking of Van Dyke, by the way, I saw, you know, obviously he's like running here, running there. He's jumping and stuff. And it's pretty sad that we're all like, he's running. Uh, but where do you sit with, um, in our Discord chat, I thought. Uh, you know why that video that. got so many likes, right? Is because that fucking Fleetwood Mac song is playing. That's, <laughs> that's like the reason that everybody got so excited about it. How can you not? Uh, but but I was more like I you know like Discord chat. I thought Jordan again, our conspiracy guy, Jordan, brought a good point up about because I know like most of us do not want him to play in the Euros because we kind of want him you know fully healed and ready to go for the beginning of the season. But would it also be a bad thing for him to kind of like get going and find out where he's at uh, by playing in the Euros? I mean, like, look, I, I think it probably doesn't really matter. Like, my, my head says that he should probably have some, like, it would be good for him to get some game time under his belt before he hits the pred, you know, the prem. But my heart says, like, it's an unnecessary risk. But, like, I, I, think, it's, I think the bottom line is, is like, he's got to play regardless, right? Whether it's for us or not for us, like, you, you'd rather see him, like, you know, if he's going to go down, you want it to be with us like down the road and hope that he stays healthy for some time. But like, I mean, Jordan's got a decent point. He's got to get some minutes. He's got to get some time. Like you don't want him coming in completely cold. Um, so, I mean, they're going to ease him in, right? He's going to have a lot of training and like, you know, we're training at game speed. So he's going to have it. He's going to be fine. I mean, I guess I'd rather see him get like limited minutes and in euros and then come in like, I, I definitely don't want him to see him playing back-to-back 90-minute sessions right out of the gate. Um, but, I mean, we don't really have a lot of control over that. You know, if they say – if he's good to go and they want to play him, they're going to play him and they're not going to give a toss about Liverpool. No, and I think his position, like, you know, what – you know, going back to what you're saying in terms of, like, limiting minutes, I mean, if you're a winger or, like, a striker or something like that, you know, I can see you coming, you know, the 60th minutes, you know, like, hey, you know, if things are not going well, we'll put him in. Just because he's a center back, I feel like it's all or nothing. Well, could just use him. Just use him like we did Stephen Cocker. You know what I mean? Bring him <laughs> in for like the last ten minutes up front for like a couple of corner kicks. Tell him he's a striker. You know. Speaking of Cocker, I was watching a Fenerbahce game the other day, uh, and they were playing against Alliance Sport, and he was in there with all his glory, and he was playing as a center back. Would you believe it? I had no idea that he was in Turkey. Yes, he's still. I, Turkish league actually has a lot of. Um, where are they now? Kind of a Premier League episode. <laughs> like you know, you're like, holy cow, he's here too, and stuff like so that. So what is so, it like, Turkey or MLS? Are those the two decisions? I think it's the Turkey move is a step before MLS because I think okay. once you come to MLS, you're pretty much done. I mean, just the only guy like- who got out is Ibrahimovic that I know of. That came, went back. And went almost like the top of his not top of his game probably, but you know became a significant player. I think the Turkish league is either you're trying to revive your career, or you still want to play some serious soccer, but yeah. maybe not in the top league, and that maybe still have, Champions League and stuff. You gotta still you still got a shot at European football, right? I mean, if you're going exactly. down the last, you're essentially going for a paycheck and some golf, right? Like, like I would I would hate to go MLS and all of a sudden you're you, like nobody's. I feel like if you're like an ex-prem player or a good player, you're not going and signing for Columbus, right? I mean, like, you're going to want to go to Miami or L.A. or like, I don't know. I think 
here's another thing. I think when you're coming to the major league soccer, especially as a play, more than likely you have retired from international football as well. Yeah. In most yeah. cases. Whereas, cause I mean, it's something and it is getting better. I don't want to like totally shit on major league soccer. It is kind of like all we have. And it's one of the, oh, like, the thing on. that's going to, Oh, you will shit on. That's why I'm kind of trying to wipe off the shit. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, like in terms of, you know, like what's going to grow the sport over here. Ideally, I hope it just gets better over time uh, in terms of like quality and stuff. So it is good that these guys are coming here in some ways. Uh, but I think if you're coming here, you have pretty much said I'm done with international football. Because I think your experience here or your competition here is not taken as seriously as even a Turkish league or a Greek league or something like that. So it's almost like you're playing great football, like American football, but you're in Canada. So I don't know if you can consider it to be a good player kind of thing. I bet you Sturridge is convinced he's an MLS player. Uh, honestly, I pro- he would probably do well. I mean, you watch some games where... Uh, there is something about those guys in terms of, you know, especially as a striker, knowing where to be and have that finishing touch, uh, being able to be like skill on the ball. And let's face it, uh, it's not as, I mean, it's competitive, but it's not as demanding and the rosters are kind of set where you can afford to have a guy like storage who doesn't like running around a lot and is only going to be involved when the ball is kind of like closer to him. Uh, I think, you know, like you can get away with a player like that. Whereas, you know, you go to champions league and stuff like that, you can only get away with it so much. And that's why, you know, when PSG has more, more Mbappe and Neymar standing around waiting for the ball at the same time, they get in trouble and stuff like that. So speaking of, I don't know if anybody, our regular listeners probably know that I hate Neymar with a passion, uh, but I am, Glad to report <laughs> that they did draw again. Now they're three points behind with two games to go. Uh, playing it, going against Lil, who's being carried by like Turkish players, actually. Would you believe it? All right, Timuchin, you gave me the Henderson Virgil van Dyke question. So oh, here's shit. my question for you. Okay. You're, you're managing your team. You have to take one player, Neymar or he- Jesus Gabriel. Holy shit. <laughs> 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 i love it wow that is hard uh that is so painful uh <laughs> see the good thing is i'm the manager though right so i can take him and just freaking bench him uh <laughs> if you think about it. but honestly between those two i would take jesus oh, as dude, painful you, you, that should show you, you how think, much i hate you think uh, he's Neymar. howdy now wait till you bench him <laughs> Yeah, his ever crying face annoys me as well. Uh, not to mention he plays for the city, but I think yeah, if it was between those two, I think I would rather have his. I feel like he has a better ethic. I just can't stand Neymar. I can have a whole episode where I just shit on Neymar. But let's get back to our boys. Um, so it's almost like nobody wants this top four. Uh, everybody's dropping points left and right, uh, or they're trying to tease us. I almost like. We always come to this point where we're like, okay, top four is not going to happen. Let's just finish the season already and like start over kind of thing. And then just when you think you're out, they suck you right back in and give you some glimmer of hope. So you famously shit on my opt- rare uh, moment of optimism a couple of weeks ago for the top four. So where are you at now with that? Absolutely unmoved. Like Really? I- no, I, I think, I, to me, the chances of making top four are the same as they've always been. 
And like, I think that it's doable. I like, I'm at like a, I'm at like a 40, 60, like, and that's where I've been pretty consistently for the last couple months. I think there's like a 40% chance just because like everybody looks at our run-in and it's like, Oh, we've got by far the most favorable run-in. And it's like, dude, have you guys seen us play the bottom of the table this year? Like, has anybody watched those matches? Cause like, I feel like I'm the only one that gets on here disappointed that we lost to a bottom of the table team. And like, everybody looks at the run and is like, Oh, we're, we're definitely going to do it. Like, I, I mean, you know, having the easier draw doesn't mean shit. Like it just doesn't like, we could very well go and does anyone else remember the last time we played West Brom? I did. It didn't go awesome. Like, I mean, so man, I want to think that we can get it done. I want to think that it'll happen. I'm pulling for it to happen. I am just, uh, I'm very guarded. I'm emotionally guarded. Okay. I, I admire that. I admire that because that you probably don't fluctuate as much as I do. The kind of, you're like a lot better at being a pessimist than I ever was, which is shocking because I kind of take pride in that aspect <laughs> of my life. But okay, I'll give you credit for that. You you at least constantly mine, like I say, fluctuates. I occasionally get glimmers of hope. Uh, you just keep the same straight line, which is nice. Yeah, you know, like uh, I think I, you know my therapist says I need to be more positive, and I like my thing is like. I, I'm like, you be positive. I'll be realistic. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like my thing is like, if I'm prepared for the worst, it's not going to hurt as bad. I don't know. Like, so we'll see. So yeah, I, let's get to that. Cause I was kind of preparing for the worst. I want to get back to the whole Chelsea thing. So as I thought actually that was like, obviously that was like the only score that really hurts. And I did not see it coming. I kind of considered it guarantee lost points. And if yes, Gora, was trying, doesn't was get cute. I was offended by that win. Yes. And, you know, it was almost like City literally gave it away. I mean, I kind of like blame Aguero because I think once it's 2-0, I don't think Chelsea is coming back from that. And so what do you make of the, the I mean, famous Sergio penalty? I mean, might game? as well have just had his bookie on the jersey front. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, what, like I was like, if, you, if you're going to you're gonna throw the points you know, for the bookkeepers, at least fucking like – Give us a heads up or something. Like, I like yeah, how I mean, after the game, game, he took full responsibility. It was just like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> well, you know, the boys at Stockley Park didn't help us out when Raheem Sterling got bungled over. Like, didn't even go to VAR, I don't think. Like, and uh, to me, that was a pretty clear pen. Um, so, I, yeah, it was – I remember looking at my phone and, like, being like, I don't ever count on people to help us out and for us to get points, you know what I mean? But, like – I was caught, I found myself being caught off guard by how angry that result made me. Like when I looked at my phone, I'm like, why does that make me so mad? Like it made me really, like I was like, I was morally offended. Like and I, when I checked the score, I didn't get to watch the game, but I, you know, it was like 1-0. I'm like, great. And I look at it, it was like, I'm like, oh, they freaking missed the penalty too kind of thing. Cause I didn't, I didn't watch the game at all. I watched the highlights afterwards, but, and then to see them like yeah give it up in the then i look next time i looked it was one one and then i see it i'm like oh you have got to be kidding me because the guaranteed... just a ridiculous goal like yeah it, it the whole thing was a big bag of suck for sure what do you make of those penalty kicks whether they go in or not in general as a guy who is kind of cynical and kind of likes 
the mockery. I, I kind of felt like maybe it would appeal to you. So I'm like, let me see if he likes that. Yeah, so that's the funny thing. You know, like I played striker all the way through. Uh, well, I, you know, I was a striker all the way in my younger years. And then in college, like being fast was no longer like everybody was fast. So I moved, I, I moved to wide midfield positions um, just because I wasn't tall or big enough to play striker at the NCAA level. Um, I never took pens. I never did. I, I was total shit at them. And I don't know if it was like, I don't know if I just wasn't mentally strong enough to do them uh, because they do, they do take, it is a mental thing to get up there to, to pick a corner um, and to do it in a way that doesn't give away your positioning when you're shooting it. Um, those pinacas or whatever they're called, they, they look, they look amazing when you get them. Like when, when a keeper picks this, you know, chooses a side and does a full dive and you just chip it right down the middle, it looks genius. But the other thing is if like they don't anticipate a corner and they sit and wait to read you and they just stay center, you look stupid. And like, that wasn't even a good, that like, that wasn't even a good Pananka. Like I had no pace on it whatsoever. So like, I mean, it was funny because he kind of went down on one knee and just put one hand up and palmed it. Like it was so bad. So I admire the cheek on people that hit them and get them in. I, I would have never done that as a player um, just because I don't think I have that kind of like confidence, like on a pen. Like I, I, I took them in the low, like in, in lower youth levels, only through high school. I did take a few, but I was never like our designated pen guy. I just can't imagine doing it. Like, I'm not going to say I don't think people should do it because I mean, who am I to say how you take a penalty? If it goes in, it goes in, you know, but like, I just like that. Any way you look at it, that was just not like a well-taking kick in general. Yeah. I was poorly executed at that. I'm just against the whole thing altogether. I mean, I was a center back, so obviously I didn't get, you know, they don't hand out penalty kicks to us guys back there. Uh, yeah. Only like, you know, when we had to take five, it were like, hey, this guy's the captain, the least he can do. Maybe he's calm or something. <laughs> Let him take it yeah. kind of thing. But I mean, I don't know if I'm a player. Obviously, that's why you have to be overconfident to be able to do something like that. Because even as a player, if I'm going to miss it, because it is kind of a crapshoot. You got like a like a crazy guy sitting around and you don't know which way he's going to jump kind of thing. I mean, because obviously these guys are pros. They probably have a lot more information about tendencies and stuff like that going into it as you know obviously you and i did or amateur levels do but if i'm gonna miss it it's gonna be because he guessed the corner rights or something like that not because i was just being a you know cocky guy yeah i mean i think there's an art to that i mean i think there are kickers that will t that will do that knowing full well that there's a keeper and he's gonna go full stretch like i think I think somebody, I think some of these guys are so good. They can go up thinking I'm going to go, I'm going to go bottom left in on the approach, see the keeper make an aggressive move and, and do a Pananka. I think there, I think there are players that are that good. Uh, but that one seemed like it was predetermined and it just, like you said, was just super poorly executed. So I don't have a problem with the idea of doing one. Um, I have a problem with Sergio and his swan, days at city in a really important match i mean that's the thing that. if they weren't you know so far ahead in the game 
Let's yeah, he's say this is the last week. He's not doing that shit. Yeah. Well, he's not even on the field. Let's be honest. You know? <laughs> That's like, true. My boy he Jesus not, would be there. <laughs> yeah. No, he, he's 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 playing because I think I think out of, I think he's playing surely out of Pep's respect for what he's done for City for so long. Like this is his last. This is sort of his dying breath at City, and I think Pep has given him some game time in a team that's going to lift the, the championship. So, so let's get back to our schedule. So we got to take care of our business. I mean, we're kind of like in a decent situation where, but either way, we got to win every single game, um, despite everybody constantly like losing points. Uh, which this is probably obviously the Thursday game against United is the toughest one. I mean, I know I've seen a lot of stuff online today about, oh, they're not going to play their, you know, guys against Leicester, you know, they're going to kind of like rotate a lot more and then they're going to play against Liverpool and stuff. I mean, one, I find that natural, even if it wasn't Liverpool playing the Thursday game, they just played, why would they, you know, it only makes sense that the middle game is going to be the game that gets the weaker, you know, more of the rotation as opposed to the, the fourth day game. And not to mention it is a Liverpool game, regardless of, you know, if it doesn't mean much to them or anything like that, standing wise. Uh, where do you stand on that? I just thought the overreaction was kind of like obnoxious. I mean, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that the rotation from a United standpoint would make sense in that regard. I also think it doesn't fucking matter who they put on the field. Like it, it doesn't matter on our lineup. We should be putting our best 11 out there regardless uh, I mean, what are we going to do? We're going to make some crazy adjustment like we did against Real Madrid in leg one. Like, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like we have to put our best team out there um, to win. Like, so like, I think that like, you, you gotta, you gotta look and focus on like the big picture and like not get hung up on like things that are uncertainties to begin with. So you expect the same lineup or you you alluded to the fact that we're probably putting Fabinho back there I think Fab's gonna go back there I don't think you know Klopp has not trusted Reese all year since um really group stages of Champions League seems like when we kind of bailed on him um and that is just primarily a pace thing in my opinion I mean he uh doesn't read things particularly well yet um and he just doesn't have the recovery pace and like you can have deficiencies in one of those areas Nat's kind of proven that like he Nat is deficient pace but reads the game pretty well Reese doesn't do either and, and you know so the result is he looks like a six foot four traffic cone you know out there sometimes and like that's just going to get you killed against a team that has uh Rashford and Green and Greenwood running around with loads of pace so I, I can't, you know, as, 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 in, as, as important as Fab is in the midfield to me, like him in the back, in the, in the back line for this match makes sense to me. I don't love it, but it makes sense to me. Yeah. Like I say, I mean, we kind of like started the entire podcast talking about this. If, if it is one game where you're going to be like, eh, I don't know about this center back pairing to, kind of inexperienced and slow to kind of like match up with their pace. I can see Fab going back there. Who are you putting in midfield? Uh, if you assume Milner is healthy, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be ready to go or not. Uh, I know he had like a knock this week too. Uh, Keita? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so who would be in your midfield? Um, 
And I guess up front too, because, you know, Bobby came, you know what, now that I've mentioned that, let, let's go back to that real quick. I want to see what you think. I thought, you know, Jota did pretty good. Uh, I kind of expected more out of Bobby when he came in, especially in the couple of counters. He had a couple of decent passes and stuff like that. But I just feel like for a team that is struggling, I just kind of expect everybody to be more sticking to, I know like the flair is part of the deal and stuff, but there was like a counter where we were going like four on two or five on three or something like that. And he did this goofy back pass, like a back heel thing. And I was like, I know you guys are Brazilian and flair is part of the deal, but it was just like, can we just play it safe, get the game secure at zero, then do whatever the hell you guys want to do. Yeah, Bobby has like he he has a couple of those things where you're just like, oh my god, that was the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, when it's just a square pass, and then he has like then he has some of those things where you're like, yeah, but why? Like you know, like <laughs> like like so it is it is kind of a mixed bag with him. He it's probably I don't think it's any surprise to anyone who's listening to me talk about this for very long to know that Bobby's my favorite player in the team. Um, I love him just purely from the fact that I am convinced that he's a unicorn of a player. Like he just is so unique in terms of the things he does. Um, yeah, man, he's in bad form, but like, dude, so is Jota. You know, Diego hasn't scored in six games. Like, you know, if that was Bobby, everybody would be screaming to bench him. So like, I, I don't, it's going to, to me, it's going to like, I don't know if I've seen, I don't, I don't know if I've seen a, a, an update on McGuire. Like for me, if McGuire doesn't start, if McGuire doesn't start, I start Bobby. Um, if McGuire starts, I might, I might stick with Jota up there and, and bring Bobby. Really? In. Why do you say that? That's an interesting take. Why do you say that? Or why do you like kind of like uh, depend on that? Because for me, if if. McGuire is is as much grief as he gets. He's he's much more assured than the rest of that back line uh, from a, from a center back staring uh, pairing. If you're looking at Lindel, if you're looking at Lindelof, and you're looking at uh, who's it, like by yeah by um, any of those guys, like I think have the have errors in them. Like I mean, and Harry's got them too, but I think they're more prone to making mistakes under pressure. And so I would want a lot more of a press game on those guys. Um, if Harry's in there, I think, I think that you can expose some issues um, with space and pace. Um, I think that Jota is a much more direct attacking threat in that regard. It provides another player that's going to be able to run on to Mo and Mane in transition. Um, and that's why I would start him. Hmm, um, that's an interesting take, actually. I, mean, I do agree. I, I kind of like, I see the reasoning behind it, and it doesn't make sense. So I'll yeah. allow it. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, How about back to midfield? Who do you have in midfield? I'm just going to go. I'm going to leave on that one. I won. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So midfield, uh, this is probably a good game for, for Milner. Like, I, I think you got to have some steel in there. Uh, you know, Pogba doesn't like to mix it up. So I think Milner would be a good person to go in there and make him uncomfortable. Um, same thing with Bruno. You can't allow Fernandez to have space. You just can't. Fernandez will absolutely kill us 
if he's on the ball and he's given the opportunity to be comfortable, he will pick us apart. Um, so I like Milner just in the fact that Milner is going to go there. And if you got, you know, McTominay is a, he's a fucking lumberjack. Like you, like you gotta have some steel in that midfield. So, um, especially if Fab's not going to be back there. Like I, I think Milner is a good start there. Um, I think you could look at Jeannie possibly Jeannie and Thiago. Um, the thing that I hate about that is when we play Milner, Jeannie and Thiago, Jeannie ends up being the one that plays the anchor and it's, it's, it's not where you should be in my opinion. Uh, I'd rather say Thiago as, as almost like a deep line playmaker in that position than Jeannie. Why does it always end up like that? And I, then I you have know. Milner making the runs into the box, like your yeah. slowest midfielder making those runs from midfield, which is actually almost like shocking to me because Milner makes those runs. But, you know, you throw the other midfielders that you would consider attacking, like Keita and stuff like that, and they don't make those runs into the box that Milner does. Well, and it's also going to be borderline personally insulting the genie at this point, who has basically begged for more time as an attacking player. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, uh, oh, oh, yeah, we definitely hear you. Um, how about CDM? You know, like, <laughs> like, like so like, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I don't get it. Like, but I think that that midfield three makes sense if Fab's in the back. Although I haven't seen, have we got confirmed? Have we, are we confirmed that Kabaka's for sure out? Because I don't think we have confirmation on any of the guys that had a knock. Uh, Davies is probably going to be out. I can kind of like foresee that already. Uh, some kind of a imaginary knock <laughs> on our imaginary center back. Uh, but I don't think we have an update on, because uh, you got to figure the press conference, uh, the pregame press conference, not there yet. And usually that's when you get confirmation in terms of if they're right. going to be there or not. Because it, it looks like everything that I see right now, the, the Fought Mob app is usually pretty good on this stuff. And they have Kabak projected to start. Um, and everything I'm looking at is that there's there's uncertainty, but they're pushing for him for Kabak to be ready to go. So fingers crossed that happens because that makes everything loads easier. Fab plugs into the midfield, then that and like Fab Milner Tiago, I think that would be like you know that's the three that I would want to see um, at full, you know at what we would consider now full strength. Like I, I think that's the midfield that makes sense to me. And what is your prediction? I mean, I think I saw something like they have not lost. I mean, they have a lot of draws, like nine or something like that. But I think I saw something um, for United, like have not lost in 25 games or something crazy like that. I mean, only like 16 of them were wins, I think. Don't quote me on these numbers, but this has to be mighty close. I know I when I saw it, I was like, damn, I did not realize that. Uh, like I say, but a lot of level draws. I, that's what I'm kind of predicting um is a draw like a one one or something along those lines i will love to get a win i just can't and god forbid yeah, i'm an optimist with you so form. they've actually only drawn once and lost once in nine last nine so they're they're in good form um uh, i think lose to roma on the second leg oh okay no i think this is in the premier league yeah uh, is what so i was they, talking about in the 25 games or something like that yeah, so they drew – yeah, their their loss was to Leicester back in the end of March. Okay. Uh, they lost 3-1 to Leicester. And then, like, yeah, they, I mean, 
I think the thing that's sort of flown under the radar with United is how, how much they've tightened up defensively. So um, I expect a low scoring game. Um, I think I originally projected a nil-nil draw, which still feels right to me, like just a gross United nil-nil draw in staying, you know, on brand for me. That would, that would make sense. Um, I would love for us to pip it one nil. I, I just, if I had to pick, I'd, I'd, I'd pick nil-nil draw. And do you anticipate some shenanigans again? I know there were like rumors of like, you know, the same. God, I hope so. Stuff like that. And then, would, does it would, happen? If it happens, do we get the freaking automatic three points now or what? I don't know. Like, uh, Mike, bring it on. Let's do it again and see what happens. I mean, like, maybe we'll get an automatic three points. I'm good with it. I mean, I can see like, if my brother has some United jerseys. We can just go there and start our own shit, maybe. So the game gets canceled. I don't know. If I mean, yeah, that's the strategy. Like, we send some guys over there. I'll be, I'll be having a great time until somebody tells me that I actually have to drink the Heineken that's in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hope we kind of like get away with a win on that one. So give me a, even a longer term prediction. Next time we sit over here for the podcast next Monday night, will we still have top four hopes or will we in the Bickler is it going to be still the 40 60 big you, you are really trying to get me to to say something positive aren't you i just you dude, really somebody has to we don't have jb to sing if he was here he'd be singing thiago song or some shit some kind of positive positivity we need so yeah, i'm hoping i can spark something you i feel like feel like we really like lucked out on that one um <laughs> Okay, next week you just delayed it, buddy. You didn't lock out on anything. You're just procrastinating it. That's about it. I'll take that chance that he's called down. <laughs> um, where do I think we're going to be next week? I mean, I'm probably still gonna feel the same. Like you know, like I, I really don't think. I don't think until I don't think that I'm going to feel good about our chances until we get to mid-May and we're looking at Burnley and Crystal Palace and I see where we fall on those teams. Okay. Because, like, like here's my thing. Say we get down to those two teams and we've won out and people have dropped points and we're in a great spot. Who do we have? Crystal Palace, who we have a history of underperforming against. Burnley, who we fucking hate playing against. See, you're laughing to me because you know that I'm fucking right on this and being pessimistic and being a, like a Debbie Downer. That's why we're not the most dynamic deal in terms of positivity over here. We're just too realistic. That because those are my fears as well. We just hate playing against Burnley and it's Crystal Palace. I'm not as worried, to be honest with you, about Crystal Palace. Um, uh, but except, you know, like them being able to score on us or something like that. I feel like if it came down to that last game and we had to win it, I think we would. Uh, I'm more worried about, you know, now that West Bromwich Albion is like guaranteed to go down. I don't know if that will kind of like help our cause a little bit as well on Sunday. I don't know. I feel like if we get the six points out of these two games, 
I'm going to be pretty darn optimistic. Obviously, we don't know what the other scores are, but people are playing each other. Uh, everybody kind of like doing us favors. I know West Ham's schedule is like, you know, seems to be the easiest on paper, but you never know. Because uh, I really thought they would actually beat Everton. I mean, I was hopeful, uh, but I did not think they would lose those points there. So let's hope we can get a more positive freaking Bicklet over here. That will make me look negative. Hey, man, if we make it on the 24th of May, mark your calendars when we do that pod, I'm going to get on here and tell you, I told you so. I want you, okay, if we make it, I want something better than freaking I told you so. But I'll make you a deal right here. If we do make it to the top four, I want you to sing the Thiago song on the podcast. Sign the papers. That is tough. That is, oh, man. It's a done deal. Your time is up. (laughs) I'm going to involve a lot of drinking first. Well, um, whatever it takes. We don't know what Jamie does. I he has do a glass of wine, but I don't know what Listen, I'm eating glasses before. If it gets a few clicks, I will slut it up and I will sing the Tiago song for you guys. Man, oh, uh, social media is the end of society. There, there we go. <laughs> uh, well, there you go, folks. Uh, if you guys weren't already rooting for us to make it the top four, I just gave you guys an extra. <laughs> <laughs> it's very special reason of having Paul sing on the podcast. Doesn't get any better than that. Well, Paul, you better start practicing, buddy. I got a good feeling. So I don't know. We'll schedule you some lessons with Jamie or something like that. Uh, Thanks to all for listening. Uh, Hopefully we will meet again next Monday with a much more optimistic Paul Bickler after we got the six points and we can start testing out his singing skills. All guys, take it easy. See you guys next Monday.